Welcome to the Legendarium. We are the blue team, and we are going to be discussing science fiction one more time. Aren't we, Stephanie? Yay! Well, <laughs> one one more time this episode. One more time this episode. We're gonna we the, we're always gonna be talking about science fiction if it's the blue team. But look yeah, at that face. This She's is so gonna excited. Be, this Yay! is gonna be an opportunity to explore the depths of hard science fiction, which is something that I'm surprised we can keep Stephanie coming here for. Um, Me before too. we dive into our second half of the Persepolis uh, Persepolis Rising. Persepolis Rising. Before we dive into the second half of Persepolis Rising, just real quickly again, our housekeeping things. If you don't know where to find us, how did you find us today? Uh, but when you look for us in other places, look for us on legendariumpodcast.com. Look for us on Discord. Uh, legendarium. Legendarium. Thelegendarium.com. Thelegendarium.com. Um, boy, look for us wherever you can find podcasts. Find us on Patreon. Uh, Twitter the show and we're on, I think we're the legendarium on Twitter uh, but but let's know. be honest Twitter, so. the most important thing is find us on discord the yeah. most friendly place on the internet on our discord server yeah. so there it you is go. it is the friendliest place on even on Stephanie likes the discord server I love the discord server see there you go and they we love her good they do love her uh, Guys, this is what's known as a tease. We have questions from the Discord server. We're so excited about later. getting those. Yeah, that's going to be good. So uh, we're not going to ask Stephanie how she felt about reading this book yet. I think we're going to get there in just a second. But, but, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but first face. I want to hear from, from Ken. That Ken, face. did you like the ending of this book? Um, yeah. Okay. I did, and uh, the main reason I liked it is because it changes a whole bunch of stuff. It does, and change a whole I bunch like of the stuff. fact that it it sets a whole new path in motion that is kind of radically different than what we have have come to expect. Which I guess the start of the book does too, because it takes place what thirty years after book six. So thirty that's years a, of that's things quite a being time a jump. 30 years of things being a little bit episodic, borrowing yeah. from Captain Kirk, yeah. uh, from the Chris Pine, Pine Captain Kirk. Yeah. And now we have something really, really quite different. So before you give us the the uh, summary. It's really bullet points. Because I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, before you give us that, Stephanie, do we dare ask? How, how, did you, how did you feel about this book, knowing that overall... The choice between doing this book and swimming in garbage probably is the only way that we can make this book appealing. <laughs> uh, how was it? Did you like the ending? I finished it. Okay. So <laughs> what he was really asking is, Steph, how are you? <laughs> how, how are you doing? Stephanie finished the book. Stephanie finished the book. That's probably all we're going to get out of her until this episode is over. Did she listen to the book? I mean, she's, did she pay attention to the book? She's fighting yes, so hard. Yes, I paid attention to the book. I even took notes. Wow. That I think I left in my car. <laughs> so you can tell how important my notes were to me. <laughs> As I tell my students all the time, the fact that you took notes means you'll remember more anyway. So I can't wait. And it's only less than a half hour old. So, you know. Yes, I only finished the book about an hour ago. Okay. Uh, it's perfect. <laughs> and I finished it about a half hour after we finished our last episode. So I've kind of been waiting wow, a while. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've done it twice. I've gone through the second half of the book. Twice. I'm on my third time through. Uh, I really enjoyed Todd it. Todd really enjoyed this book. I did. It was so cool. <laughs> I'm having so much fun. All right, Ken, give us our give us our recap. All right. So uh, you remember the last time we had the Tempest soaring into Sol space and everything, and it was exciting. And now 
Uh, I'm just gonna I gotta I'm gonna bullet point this. The lone, lone Laconian battleship Tempest making its way through the Sol system, kind of like a college linebacker making his way through a playground full of kindergartners. Yeah, <laughs> I love that one. That's good. It also sends out a beacon to the protomolecule eaters, so that'll likely be fun. The path of crushed ships. The station encourages the EMC Earth Mars Coalition to surrender. Better to live and get beat up another day, I guess. On Medina. The underground works to frustrate the easily frustratable Admiral Singh. They jailed Captain Singh. Captain Singh. He's only a captain. That's true. Governor yeah. Singh. He's a governor. He's, governor. he's a governor now, but he's a captain. He only made it to captain. That's true. Governor Governor Singh. We'll just go Governor Singh. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Spoiler alert, he dies. <laughs> right. You're supposed anyway, to give well, three seconds for a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. One, two, three. He dies. He dies. There three, we go. Man. Okay. All right. So they jailbreak all the prisoners, sabotage the sensor array, steal some power armor, get Holden captured. Oh, yeah, boy, that one. Oh, Boy Scout was prepared for that. <sighs> the sp- Alex springs the Rosie out of dock, distracts the gathering storm just long enough for Bobby and Amos to steal it. That was kind of cool. But Did not- he say spoiler alert? Oh, yeah, we gave spoiler alert earlier. Okay, we're good. It's all spoiler. It's, it's, it's all also, spoiler It's always now. spoiler alerts. It's all spoiler now. Uh, so they steal the Gathering Storm, but not before having the most raging therapy session involving violence and broken teeth, probably. Oh, my word, I love that. That oh is going to be so much fun to talk about. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> well, we'll be talking about that. <laughs> Stephanie's all excited. You can see that face. Look at that. Look at that mug. Stephanie so is sitting there saying to herself, why in the world did I agree to do this with these two yahoos? <laughs> Every time. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. Anyway, Laconians are outsmarted. Clarissa dies. Sad. Pour one out. Mm-hmm. Seeing is exampled. Yeah, well, well, if it isn't the consequences of my own actions. And the ragtag fleet of rebels escapes through the gate network looking for a shining planet known as Freehold. In the end, Naomi and Amos are living deliberately with the Rosinante on Freehold. Bobby Joe, or Bobby Joe. I have a friend named Bobby Joe. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Bobby and Amos are orbiting the ga- with the Gathering Storm, trying to learn all of its secrets. And Jim finds himself on Laconia, trying to walk Durante, uh, Duarte. Excuse me. I don't know how I wrote that, but off the ledge of the protomolecule abyss that we're all staring into now. It's exciting. So I have questions, many questions. How soon before we see this protomolecule scientist from Illus? Because, I mean, they mentioned her twice. So yep. she's coming up. So I'm guessing next book she'll be like... A critical character. Main character, you know. First chapter. Yeah. Uh, uh, named chapter, all that. Yep. So um, would you rather be the front man of a group or a band member? Did we ask this last time? I feel like we asked this last time. We didn't, but we did talk about it briefly. Okay. Well, I... I Hold your answers. That's coming up. Uh, do Duarte and Holden collab to come up with a way to stop the protomolecule eaters? Or does Duarte just try to, you know, Duarte them? I don't know. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're actually you're actually wondering whether Duarte and Holden are going to wind up on the same team? Yeah. Because wow. the enemy of my enemy and all that crap. I, I have an attitude. I have an opinion. I can't wait. I look forward to hearing it. I can wait. I will wait about 45 minutes. All right. All right. Final question. Um, Clarissa. Chrissy. No, Chrissy was different. Peaches. Peaches. Was this an earned death? Ooh. I, you want to start with that? Yeah. Let's, uh, that's, that's the end of my questions. That's the end of my... Re- let's start with that. Was that an earned death? Because I really questioned that it was. Why do you question that it was, Ken? I don't know. I guess it just feels like... 
it, I, I guess not every death, not every hero's death needs to be some big, grand, sweeping type of thing. And, and this, for, for its own sake, was a little bit noble. I mean, not a little bit noble. It was quite noble. She knew activating her implants was going to probably kill her, but she did it anyway to save Naomi and a bunch of other people. And so, yeah, it's a noble death, but I don't know. It just felt, it almost felt cheap. Just like, this is the way, I don't know. I Did it feel cheap because it felt predictable? Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe it just, I don't know. Something, you guys are going to have to talk me through it, but it, something just felt weak about it. Stephanie? So. I think that in my opinion, it's the writing that felt weak. Oh. I don't think it was her death in general. I feel like her death, I think it's a very noble death when you think about it. She fought five people by herself. Like that's a pretty yeah. impressive fight sequence that they really could yeah. have given her more in the writing. And I think they just kind of just like, oh, well, we're going to kill her and this is what she's doing so let's just hurry and get it out on paper and never really put a lot of effort into it. So I don't think it's necessarily her or her ending that feels anticlimactic. Because I think it's it. I think it it's well deserved. I think it was you get to a point in especially a story like this that has several crew members, you're waiting for that death to happen. Someone yeah. eventually is going to die. And I think it made sense for it to be Clarissa. But I just feel like the authors didn't do her justice. That's maybe that's maybe that's it. I think I think that's where I'm kind of feeling the feeling the wrongness of it is that it just yeah it didn't feel like maybe it didn't feel like a big deal was made enough of it or it wasn't handled correctly. Um, the reason for dying, I mean, like I said, it was a noble death and it was good in in that sense, and she feels redeemed a little bit, especially after being on the Rosie for thirty years. I mean, or or whatever it was. So she's you know, obviously earned the trust of the crew. She's family, but, and maybe that's it. Maybe I just didn't like the way that it was handled. And maybe I need to go back and reread it because I didn't have any of those feelings. Um, I, and, and maybe it's because, uh, it, it was, it was very clearly a telegraphed death. Um, they, they had mentioned throughout the book multiple times that her health was deteriorating, that they were, that she, it was already clear that she was, that she was nearing the end of her mm -hmm. life. Yeah. Um, the conversations that have been had between Holden and Amos before Holden left the ship between, uh, and, and between Bobby and Amos, uh, right after Holden leaves the ship. And he says, Hey, I need to know, you know, we talked about end of life stuff between Bobby and Clarissa. We talked about end of life. Have we talked about any of those. No, you know, never told, never, never told anybody about <laughs> this. James didn't even care. What do you mean? He didn't <laughs> care. Um, that was, that was a piece we didn't get a chance to talk about. But James cares about everything. Come on. James cares about, well, anyway. Um, so, but, but the way that her death was handled, it felt like it was a very gradual, um, a, a very gradual crescendo, if you will, of things that were going on, giving her the opportunity to redeem herself from, uh, from what she had done in the first book that we saw her mm -hmm. when she talks about the fact that uh, she's the only person that knows what it's like to kill someone that had been nothing but nice to you. Yeah. Um, when, when she had these opportunities to reflect upon all of those kinds of pieces, um, I, I found it very, I don't want to say satisfying, 
the only people that I am ever satisfied seeing their death is the bad guys. So none of the none of the none of the heroes or or protagonists that are involved in any of the stories. I never like their deaths to say, to speak of. Yeah. Um, I am going to like Duarte's death. I'm going to like <laughs> that one a lot because it's coming. I'm sure this is not a spoiler, but I am very confident that that's going to happen at some point. He turns and to I'm, brown goo. I am going to love that moment. He gets I, absorbed and repurposed. I didn't, uh, but I but I didn't feel like it was, uh, I, I felt like it was well handled. So maybe I need to go back and, and read it again. Uh, or maybe I just didn't feel like it deserved more. I was more interested in the follow-up to her death, the conversation that Bobby has with Amos. Yes. On board the yeah, Gathering Storm. I, oh, yeah. When uh, when she turns around and she says, uh, and, and he says, well, okay, I'm going to go around and see if I can find anybody that's not here. And it says she pulls right up to him nose to nose and says, Art, I need to know where you're at. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I'm fine. And she's like, No. I yeah. need to know what your mental health is. This is not optional. If you're going to be on my ship, I need we are going to have frank and honest conversations about where your mental health is. I and and maybe it's because mental health is such a big thing going on in my world right now. Mm -hmm. Uh and always is. Um somebody's saying, "Oh, it's always been a big deal in your life." Thank you. I appreciate that. But but that moment where Bobby's like, "Uh-uh." you have to talk to me. Right. And based on the earlier conversation when when he says, I didn't want things, but I want one thing. I want her to die on the Rosie. And she doesn't get it. But they, he comes back and makes a comment about that if she was going to die fighting, like he was okay yeah. with that. Yeah. Like this, he is, felt, this is yeah. good too. Yeah. Is what he says. Yeah. And and he says, no, I'm mad. Uh, I'm I'm sad. But I'm not... I'm not off the rails. Yeah. And I really, I liked that piece yeah. of that conversation. Um, and I liked that piece of the, because really Clarissa was like the, she was like the, the sidekick for Amos, uh, through the, through the one book, she's the sidekick. Um, and he gets her to the, gets her to the Rosie and says, Hey, so if I say, I want to have somebody come on board and be on the Rosie with us, is that going to be okay? James is like, sure, I trust your judgment. Great. Come on, Peaches, let's get you settled in. He's like, wait, not her. And then, <laughs> you know, so it's it's just kind of, it, it felt like it was more about Amos than it was necessarily about Clarissa. And from that standpoint, I, I felt it was well handled. Yeah. Hmm. Handled enough that as a character, as a side character, we're good. I'm good with her. But it was really more about what is this going to do to Amos? And so I, I, I did a good job with it. I thought better written was Amos's reaction. Finally, Amos is not an open up kind of guy. He's not a deep thinker, you know, as it were. He's a very matter of fact, this is what's happening. And what I'm saying is, is what I feel. You know, yeah. he's not, a, he's not going to talk about his feelings. And this is as close to um, him talking about his feelings as we ever come. Well, I don't know. We'll see what the next two books are. But uh, through the first seven books, this is as close as we ever come to him actually opening up about his feelings. Because usually it's just, all right, this is fine. This is, and and we get a sense of he's actually aware. He's not quite as psychopathic as as uh, he is. You know what I mean? As he was a few chapters earlier. Well, <laughs> we got to talk about that. Well, let's talk about that um, now. But he, 
it, it is well written. I think it's a it's a well um, done introspection on on how Amos is, you know, and he and he copes with it well. He's like, look, I, this is how I am. This is what it is. This is how it sucks. I keep moving, and Amos is just a keep moving forward kind of guy. Yeah. So, what did he talk about uh, before? We're gonna we're, we're the we're the things that grow in the cracks. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was in back in uh, one of the other books where he was talking about uh, we're the we're the things that grow in the cracks of the cement. Anyway, I just remember that from his trip through Baltimore. Yeah, that's right. Uh, when he was called James Holden's hired killer. <laughs> I remember that day. That was a good day. Uh, Chrissy Avasar. So, so do we want to talk about, uh, do we want to talk about the attitude adjustment period? That was, that was good writing. That was, that was, that was a well-written punching. I tell you. Well, and, and it started with a really well-written uh, piece of what is going on in the mind of yes. a hired killer, that of a psychopath. That entire, that entire chapter. In fact, I wrote it down as I was reading. Is is Amos is not a very nice old man, as Giselle <laughs> from Enchanted would say. I mean, he's like every every uh, time he looks at somebody, all he can see is a way to kill them. It's like I could snap their neck. This is how I would take this person out. This is how I would, that's. 80 whatever years of a life of violence, I think, you know, just summed up in one chapter. That's what Stephanie? it feels like. <laughs> yes. What do yes. you think? What I did you think about that chapter? I think that one caught me off guard when it, because he only has the one one chapter. In this book, I think. Yeah, yeah, in this book. I think he only has one chapter. And so for it to start off with him, like, mentally killing everyone around him not just everyone clarissa clarissa was yeah bobby it was like just everyone it wasn't even just people he didn't know or anything i'm like wow that's that's quite the the mental space to be in and i think it's one reason why i mean so far back like when it's like book one or two and he's talking about Naomi being his moral compass. Yeah. Yeah. Going, well, yeah, if those are what's going on in your head on a regular basis. Yeah. You kind of need someone (laughs) to be like, no, we don't, we don't do those kind of things. I'm sorry, but we're not going to snap the necks of people that we just randomly come across. Like, so I think it was one of those, like, you know, that Amos is a darker character. Because he is. He's a killer. Yeah. And great. We need them in the world. Um, But to hear where he really is mentally was a little jarring to me. I had a hard time with Amos in this book. And I almost felt like, I think it was more of just a, a smoke screen to cover, try and cover what was happening. But I was really thinking going, they're setting him up to die. Mm, yeah, like well, I was like, like it, but... this is weird that they, that they that they would kill off Amos right here in this storyline. But the way that they are writing him and his viewpoints and the things like the way he's acting, because he's very much detached from everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. I was like, if he died, if they killed him off, I don't know if I would be all that surprised by it. Mm. One of the things that I that I found interesting is I'm thinking about it now. I, it didn't occur to me at the time that I was reading it, but it is occurring to me now 
um, Clarissa, when she's going through the, the last little bit, she says, I have killed, but I'm not a killer. Because oh, yeah. killers Mantra. are monsters, yeah. and monsters are not afraid. Right? Right. Amos is a killer. Amos is a monster. He is not afraid. And it just very it became very clear to me. One the one thing that I'm gonna wonder about is that they provided a, a nice counterbalance. Peaches provides a nice counterbalance for who Amos is. I'm wondering how that's gonna play out uh in the next in the next little bit, in the next couple of novels. Because while Naomi is the one that they all take and, and they and they mentioned this too that Naomi says anything everybody takes as gospel truth. Um, for Amos, yeah. he takes it as right and wrong. For everybody else, they take it as accurate or, you know, it, it's absolutely accurate. There's no there's no worry about it. Um, but Peaches gave him a reason to be moral. I'm not sure that with that gone, we're going to see the same Amos in the next in the next two novels. Well, and you have to remember, I think Amos and Naomi's relationship changed a lot when her and Holden got together. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That, I mean, even when Holden became captain and everything, like it took Amos a little bit to warm up to the idea of like Holden was captain. Cause it was like, Oh, I'm still going to just listen to Naomi. Yep. So as long as you two agree, we're good. But if you guys don't agree, we're going to have I'm a problem. I'm doing what Naomi does. Yeah. And so there was that shift in his mentality when when they really got together and then we miss what happens the entire time that Clarissa is with them yeah and so not really knowing exactly what happens like where was their relationship what what was the basis of their relationship how good of friends I mean we know that it wasn't anything romantic or sexual yeah. or anything it was just but what did they talk about? What was this? And so it's kind of hard to know how her death is really going to affect Amos. Yeah. Because we don't really get to understand the basis of their relationship the same way that we understand his journey with the rest of the crew. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I wonder if I wonder if that's going to be something that's going to be explored. Another thing that I wonder about uh, in connection with that, they mentioned this briefly that Alex was Alex was the one that kept everybody sane. Alex is the one that kept everybody uh, even keeled. He but, saw it that way. Yeah, well, and pretty much he is. I'm not saying I don't agree with him, but it was his chapter and he was the one that was saying. When when yeah. Amos went off the rails. I'm the, he's the, one I'm the keystone to, to I'm, hold all of this he's together. He's the one that yeah. does that. And every crew has one. Well, they've split the crew, uh, which reminds me of my, every time I play D&D &D and we always, we always sing the little silly song, don't you know you never split the party? Um, <laughs> they have split the party and they've pulled uh, the pieces that were Amos's conscience, if you will, out. All that's left is Amos's willpower and Bobby saying, uh-uh, if, if we have to dance, um, we'll dance. <laughs> uh, so do I love we, how they call it dancing. Do we want to talk about that dance? And she it will was... beat him. Oh my gosh. And it's one of the rare people that can actually stand toe to toe and beat Amos and he can give right back. And it's awesome. Even though they're, you know, old people now, <laughs> old, old people fighting. This was what my kids would call Monday night granny fights, you know, I, you know, and it was, 
it was brutal. I mean, I don't know that we need to spend too much time on the actual, you know, punch, you know, punch by punch, blow by blow. But I mean, it was a, it was a brutal fight. It was an exciting fight. And it would have made a really cool WWE uh, uh, trailer or yeah. WWE video. <laughs> yeah, because the way it was being described, I mean, lifting up and hitting the ceiling and then throwing them down and then switching around. And uh, I was like, right. yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> It was written very cinematically. I mean, you could kind of see how it was. I, I think the sheer brutality of it was designed to speak to the two characters. I mean, these are two people who have lived through a lifetime of controlled violence and sometimes in Amos's case, sometimes a little less controlled um, based on different sides of that control. I mean, Bobby was all about regimented control and execution in terms of performance, not actual, you know. Right. Yeah. But on the other side, it's the the exact same ferocity, but with, a, with less training, you know. And and here these two are, and you could tell they were not holding back. They were, this was, you know, one of us could die right here at the hands of the other. And ultimately all it was was a, a guy who, who uh, his his uh, sense of conflict resolution is punch something till you feel better. Yeah. You know, when I, words fail, which in Amos's case, you know, when words are non-existent. Yeah. Just <laughs> hit it with a bigger wrench. And I, I think that's where it was. And so it was, it was really just a big therapy session. And I've seen these before. I mean, you Fight see these therapy. with, <laughs> yeah, you see these with visit with people before I've seen it between friends, you know, where you have to, sometimes you have to, get it out with fists when words fail and afterwards you sit back and you go all right I'm but good. but contrast this fight that we've that we've got in this book with the fight between uh christian bale and matt damon in ford versus ferrari when they start pounding on each other and rather than hit each other in the head with cans of food they hit each other with bags of bread um <laughs> there is there is a clear it's one of my favorite fight scenes of all time because they just wear each other out and then the wife comes over and says you guys done yeah you want a coke yeah i could use a coke <laughs> um these two these two get to that same spot but it's after significant day she you know uh she brought she breaks a rib uh making it hard for amos to breathe he's like he had a hard time breathing he understood now why um, all it, it's a very different kind of a deal. Well, and I think one of my favorite moments of that was at the end and they're talking, they're chatting about it all. And I think it's Bobby that makes the comment that it would have been easier to kill him. Oh yeah. Yeah. That you, the, after all of that, that fighting and that abuse and neither one of them had any intention of killing the other. It was just this massive fight which i guess speaks even higher of their skill level that they could inflict such pain on each other and not kill each other yeah what does that say about them that i mean the right blow to the head or anything like there was even a moment i think he was strangling her and everything like that that they didn't manage to kill each other bruises around her around her neck yeah. I also like the I also like at the end where she says the next time you need to fight just let me know. He said, "Oh, I'll let you know if I'm looking to lose one." <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. So, kind of interesting and it and it sets up a real nice dynamic for the two of them becoming the ones that are going to have to run 
the new gathering storm run the ship mm-hmm. um bobby draper is captain amos acting as exo um i mean this is going to be this is going to be an interesting dynamic to see play out in the next book at least uh maybe the next two books i guess depending on how things are written mm-hmm. um so james holden yeah, Boy Scout of the Universe. Let's let's back up a little bit. Is missing for most. He of the disappears half of the book. for most of the second half. He doesn't of the book. have many chapters in the second half of he this doesn't. book. He doesn't. But he has one big heroic moment. So, and do you, you remember when you remember when they were in the? They're talking about uh, who's going to go on who's going to go on the mission, and he says, "Oh, and I'm going to come along." And Bobby is like, "And that was not an improvement. Yes, that doesn't make things better." <laughs> Uh, but ultimately, it's the only thing that made it possible for the for things to be better. Yeah. Because he has to improvise, he has to do all of the stuff that he does, and he, uh, he, uh, uh, he abandons uh, Naomi Doesn't in the interest in the interest of protecting everybody, in the interest of doing the right thing. But he goes off and he and Naomi says I still think abandons is kind of a harsh word. Like right, sacrifice. Right. Um sacrifice is making something sacred. Um but he turns around and he says and, and she says he did the same thing that he always does. He goes off and he does the right thing without thinking for a second about anybody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. And she said, and that's part of why I love him, and it's also part of why it's hard to live with him. She said, I'm here all the time. This is not the first time I'm in this space where I have to deal with him doing the right thing without regard for anybody else, especially me. That was also, at least for me, the selfishness. That was a real good insight into one of the key aspects of their relationship, her level of patience with all of that and his inability to see something and say, somebody else will take care of it. He can't do it. Yeah. If, if it needs to be done, he's the epitome of uh, if if not me, then who? If not now, then when? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> he just runs. I'm not sure. I think that that's always a laudable characteristic. <laughs> um, I in in my relationship with my family and my relationship with my wife, I am continually evaluating: Is this the right thing to do for the benefit of all? Uh, and there have been times that I've made the choice, no, this isn't the right thing to do for the benefit of all. And so I've sucked it up. I've done other kinds of things. Uh, I, I guess I am not a very good James Holden. Uh, maybe I'm closer to being an Alex. I guess. <laughs> There's only one James Holden. So. Hallelujah for that, right? Right. Can you imagine what this world would, or what the universe would be like with two James Holdens? <laughs> maybe we'll find out from going into the pens. And it very conveniently puts him right where he needs to be to James Holden his way through this problem. Well, yeah, there is that. I got, I got some predictions. <laughs> We're not there yet. We're not there yet. <laughs> um, what else do we want to talk about about this book before we go to Ken's predictions and the questions from Discord? Stephanie, what do you want to talk about in this book? There was a moment that I got thinking as these are like weird side characters. Like there's a moment, like, a lot of what drummer her motivations are and everything. Um, she talks a lot about her husband mm-hmm. and her missing her husband and which I think is an interesting mind place for her to be because she's the head of the transport union. She's the one that was in charge of all of this. She has 
this huge weight on her shoulders with this ship coming in and everything. And so much of her inner dialogue is talking about her husband and their relationship. And I thought that was really sweet. But on the other side of things, there was um, some chapters with um, Singh, with Governor Singh. And he's the same way. So much of his, his thought process was about his wife and his daughter. And I just thought that was kind of an interesting place to put these two characters who are on, are very much in the same place on opposite sides of the conflict. One and, with the big stick and yeah. one without very much more than a <laughs> toothpick. But that they're both in the, they're both the leaders of, of their sides of this conflict. Yeah. And so much of what they're doing is all for the betterment of their family. Like, I guess comparing to like what we were just talking about with Holden is it's very much they're constantly thinking about how does this affect my family? What is this doing? Like um, Singh's constantly like, okay, how can I better this station? So my wife and my daughter can have the mm-hmm. life I want them to have here with me and everything where Holden's just like, and I'm off and my family's always going to be there yeah, because they always are like, you never really hear his inner dialogue the same way about his family and the love for his family. I mean, you know, it's there that he cares about his crew and everything. And he definitely cares about Naomi. You can tell that with some of the actions that he's done. I just thought it was kind of, I don't know. It put me in a, a different mindset as I was listening to their chapters. And I think it also put me in a different place with seeing when he's killed because the part of me was kind of like well was that really necessary Mm. so like i get where it was coming from and it wasn't until i was actually reviewing um some stuff online i don't know if i necessarily understood the conversation he was having with his second Mm. when his second was finally like oh well i have a standing order yeah and you just Cross that line that now this order supersedes and, what you, and you told are, me to you do. You are absolutely right that we have to set an example. And yep. so I was, I I felt sad when he died, and I don't know oh. if it's because they humanized him so well with his his constant love and talking of his family, and I don't know. Maybe it's because I have a monster at home <laughs> that. I related to that idea. But enough about Ryan. (laughs) Well, I have two monsters at home (laughs) then. Um, But I don't know. I really had a hard time with that. And then I guess I read online and I was like, oh, I guess that is true. That it wasn't just a let's kill a bunch of people to it was let's kill a bunch of my people. Yeah. um, Borderlining. He talks earlier about genocide and yeah. not wanting to cross yes. that line. And then he does. And, and so then I, he's ready to. Exactly. And so I was kind of, and then I was annoyed at the very, the prologue chapter where Duarte meets with his wife and his daughter. And I'm like, I feel like that's going to come back to bite him. I, that his wife is going to. Let's hold on to that because I want that to be part of my predictions. The, uh, the talk, the discussion about the wife meeting with Duarte. Um, I want to come back. To Ken that. looks really confused. That's Does okay. that happen in this book? That. So yes. in the prologue, you Duarte has the final 
chapter, the prologue. Epilogue. Oh, oh wait. Yeah. The epilogue. Sorry, not the prologue. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Sorry the You're epilogue. Right. And he meets with um, the wife and the daughter right. before he meets with Holden. That's right. I were, okay. I For some reason, I was jumping right over that part. I'm like, this sounds familiar, but wait, did I... Where am I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. And she comes and right. asks for the reports. Yeah, yeah. About his death and everything. I was I like, I can't wait to see who comes out of that. That's that is one of my predictions. I feel like are, that are we death, in the predictions. Okay. I don't sure. Right now, I am. That's one of my predictions. Is I think that she is going to come back. I think she's, she's going to come gonna back to haunt Duran with with uh, wanting she's, revenge. She's going to come back as part of an inner resistance uh, of Laconians ah. against Duarte. Especially because one of the things that I think we're going to find out, um, the, again, this is me, the the threat that everybody says, well, at least this is better, you could be in the pens. Um, I think we're going to find out that there's a lot of people who have family that have been sent to the pens. Yeah. You remember we, they talked about those in the very beginning, the uh, the prologue. The proto-molecule. Uh, yeah. I, think, I think that's going to play a role in... Uh, in, in the downfall. They're the test subjects. Yeah, that the families of those test subjects. And they kind of allude to it. They say, you know, when you kill an insurgent, you alienate not just them, but all of their families. So all of them are going to become vicious against you. They're, all of them are going to become your enemies for the rest of their lives and their children's lives. This way, we set a different example. And the example that we set is, we will hold ourselves to a higher mm-hmm. level. Um, I loved that chapter, by the way, and the interaction between them where he gives all of these, you know, uh, Singh gives all of these statements and they sound really, really good. And then Overstreet turns around and uses his exact mm-hmm. same words against him. Yeah. It's like, oh, my word, that was really well done. Um, brilliant writing, I thought, to lay it all out and to let it all happen the way that it did. Mm-hmm. It was very well written, I thought. Yeah, I agree. Um, this... This uh, dovetails nicely into some Reddit and uh, Reddit Discord questions. This Discord. that was a blast from the past. Remember when we used to do Reddit questions? I remember when we used to do Reddit. Oh, questions. Oh my goodness! Um, so, uh, Seraphim. Actually, this is actually a couple of questions. Seraphim asked, uh, "He liked the series overall. It just didn't do antagonists well, uh, but barring two of them, and he mentions Marco as one and Duarte as the other, mm. <laughs> um, and Kiptan." asks where does sing rank on the villain scale and he mentions also cortazar who we haven't gotten into yet but we were talking about the pens and he was in the prologue cortazar is the mad scientist the mad scientist and duarte of course is the the big bad um i think cortazar i'm excited to see where he goes he cortazar man i don't remember if he's a man or a woman cortazar um I'm interested to see where Cortazar goes because mad scientists are always creepy. And I'll bet there is plenty of creepy in that. I'll bet there is. Um, that that just seems like somebody who is being set up to not just uh, be interested in their science, but relish in the the mad part of mad science. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? I got thinking so. about the Nazis. And I mean, you have Hitler. Yeah. Everyone talks about like Hitler is a terrible person and he did so many bad things. And I think that's kind of where Duarte falls in, like that he's the leader of this, yeah. this group. But it's it's the doctors that ran Dr. Mengele. Yeah, yeah that ran in the, the concentration yeah, camps yeah. that really did the atrocities um, inside yeah. the Holocaust. And it's, I think that's where 
yeah. this guy is going to fall that Duarte's a, a bad person. And he's, I don't know. I haven't really seen a whole lot of him, but I'm sure in the next two books, we'll find out more and actually see what kind of villain he is. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I think was really interesting, and I, we, we didn't hear much about it in the prologue, but in the epilogue, Holden looks at him and says, you've been using that stuff on yourself. Mm -hmm. I wonder what the, I wonder what he looks like now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, for Holden to be able to recognize, I mean, I wonder if he's got you know, changing in his eyes, changing in his skin, if the, all of that kind of stuff is going on. I'm really going to be interested to see how they describe all of that and what that means where he says he can see thought mm -hmm. and then he has to turn it and bring it back to his regular senses. I'm really curious to see what that's going to be Something like. that you just mentioned that I didn't make the connection until right now is uh, we see that Duarte can, can see thoughts. He's got these special protomolecule abilities and such. I wonder if... Holden's close exposure to the protomolecule doesn't give him the same, maybe to a lesser degree, uh, ability. Oh, so when he says he can tell if Duarte has been using it on, on himself, it's because he can see like an, an aura or a glow or there's something that human eyes can't see that maybe that maybe. Jim with his protomolecule exposure can see. Can't maybe think about that. So maybe it's a possibility. Well, and as far as Singh falls in my line of villains. He doesn't rank very high. I don't think no, he's I don't think me. he went out meaning to be a villain. I no. think he was a good soldier that believed in his cause. And when everything kind of started falling out from under him, he took it too far. Well, and he says something. You you said something that reminded me. Um about midway through the book, um Colonel uh Tonica asks him yeah he, she says you know do you really believe all that stuff because he said you know well we're here to you know reform the human mm -hmm. race and da, 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 all this kind of stuff and you know uh high council duarte blah 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 um and uh admiral Trewin trayo trayo uh asked him the same question do you really believe all of this and he's like absolutely and Trail was like, well, we need true believers because that's how this is going to move forward. And Tonica's like, huh, you really believe all that stuff? Yes, I do. Yeah. We get to the end with Overstreet and he says, I believe whatever the Laconian Empire tells me to believe. Yep. And right now what I have to believe is that killing you is the right thing to do because it will be better for the Empire. Um, it's the difference between practical experience and theoretical experience. <laughs> Trejo... You know, and Tanaka and Duarte have the experience to know where the theory stops and the practice begins. And Overstreet and Singh have just practice. Quite That's frankly, all they got. Quite frankly, I kind of wonder if, um, uh, and I and I don't think we're ever going to really get an opportunity to see and to find out why. But quite frankly, I think that uh, Singh, because he also says, and it puts Admiral Sung. Who's going to become Song. the new yeah. ad, the new station governor? Which I thought puts was funny. her on notice. That's right of what needs to happen. I kind of wonder if Singh wasn't being set up to be a patsy for all of this, so that they had somebody that oh, they I could, absolutely believe that they that. could bring him in 
They could set him up. That if things went wrong, they well, needed a scapegoat. I don't and know that he was necessarily set up to fail, but he I was definitely he was. set. I think he was definitely made to be the scapegoat. I think that they, that so. they needed a scapegoat if things went wrong. If yeah. things went right, he was there. He was learning. They trusted him enough because they knew he was a believer that he could continue moving their mission forward. But See, if things went wrong as they did... They needed someone that they didn't care if then they, they can, felt and that he was that too. I think that they anticipated everything going off the rails and figured that it was a long shot that he would hold it together. Because remember they said Admiral Duarte or High Council Duarte knew all about his academic record, knew all about all of this, oh, yeah. knew that he was a true believer. Um, I I really honestly believe that, that it was a, a question of time before he would need to be used as a scapegoat, not a question of if. He was deliberately made to fall on his yes. sword. Uh. He, was create, he was created and put in that position uh. so that it could, because think about it. Um, you, have, you have a horrible individual doing, setting out the word that they're going to kill everybody. He puts them in public pens. He does all these different kinds of things that as human beings, we're like, we've gotten beyond that. Haven't we gotten beyond that? We must have gotten beyond that. Laconi is coming in and doing all of this. And then Laconi comes in and says, no, that was him. We really are better people than this. Boom. Yeah. Let us show you what we really are. And now everybody's like, oh, please. I think it's, I'm, the, maybe I'm just jaded enough. <laughs> um, the noble governor Singh who was willing to sacrifice himself because he failed. And look, we're so enlightened. Oh, I don't think he was willing to sacrifice himself. No, I that's, think the, gonna, that's the company line. Yeah. That's the party line. Oh, I think, and I think that's what's going to be in yeah. the report, the official report. That's what I'm saying. That's the party line. He's being, as he's being made to fail, this is why. So he, they can, they can hold it up and say, look, this is how, this is how enlightened Laconians handle their problems yes. so you should be like us he acknowledged his problems he committed seppuku um you know ritual suicide to make amends and atonement and all that kind of stuff and then his widow is going to find out oh no he was killed in cold blood based on a standing order and yeah. he was set up to fail i think that's which lends I think more it lends out. more credence to mrs singh's uh yes journey to the resistance i think that's coming <laughs> look at you join the resistance Vive la revolution! Well, and I'm sorry, this, the higher up I think you get like closer to Duarte, the less true believers you're going to find. Oh, yeah. And I think that's true with most dictators in that way that have such a black and white viewpoint of things. Like, this is the right way. This is what we're doing. That the higher up you go, the more power-hungry people you get. They're mm -hmm. not believers. They could care less what the pathway to power is. And I think that that's one thing that you have, you have some of these new admirals and stuff coming up that really like they're questioning the true believers. Like yeah. seriously, you believe all this crap? Like, yeah. okay. Yeah. You keep believing because you need those true believers. You do. It's as part of your, your takeover, but it's not, it's, you never find true believers in the real leadership positions up at the top yeah, yeah. i think uh, when when you're talking about this kind of organization this yeah. kind of a this kind of a process i would agree and i think that um i i think that it reveals what the agendas of those people are i think we're going to find out that the mad doctor has always just wanted to play with the proto molecule yeah i think we're going to find out that duarte has always just wanted to 
to be able to run human civilization because he's convinced he's smarter than everybody else. Maybe he is. Uh, now that he's been playing with protomolecule and enhancing himself with protomolecule, he probably is. But he's also going to be an idiot for unleashing the killers of the proto builders. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> but the smartest person about. in power isn't always the best person in Rarely power. Is. Right. Is. Uh, anything else we want to talk about on this, or should we just keep going with questions? Well, I wanted to. We, we kind of have addressed this one. Seraphim, he made this point about. Seraphim, a boy or a male? I don't feel, I'm sorry. I apologize I with know. the pronouns. I don't know. I, uh, Seraphim says. Seraphim, Seraphim says. Um, talks in talking about Duarte since he was he wasn't just some mustache twirling bad guy doing evil things because he's an evil greedy a-hole and or an idiot just doing whatever the plot <laughs> needed him to do for Max Conflict. I think we kind of kind of just I just wanted to, to mention it because I just like that he said a-hole. Yeah. I, I, and, you know, to to her point, Clarissa earlier in the book talks about the fact that her dad was that way. Her dad just wanted it because other people wanted it. Yeah. There was no reason yeah. that he should have anything more. He just wanted it. And she's like, there are people like that. So I, maybe we're saying Duarte isn't that kind of person. Hmm, I don't know. I think I, I want to find out more. I just feel like he, he feels like he has. I want to see this manifesto. I feel like I want to see I feel the like all the answers are in the manifesto. I want to see the nine critical virtues or yeah. the nine, whatever it was, the nine ethics. Uh, Duarte's nine ethics. I want to see those pieces. Yeah. I'm kind of tempted to go out on the on the internet and find don't you do it Duarte's treatise don't and you do all it. that kind of stuff. So tempted. I feel like it'll come up in eight or eight or nine. I, oh, I, I hope feel like so, it'll come up. I want to see those. Um, Jofu asks. Um, he, he mentions how heartbreaking was Peaches. I mean, we, I think we beat that. Yeah. Drum. <laughs> drum. <laughs> Because you we, didn't find it very heartbreaking. We, well, I found I found the fact that she dies sad. I mean, but I just I didn't like the way that it was delivered. I guess I don't know, but um, I think we we talked about that. But he also asks opinions about the time jump. Do we have opinions about the time jump? Uh, thirty years. So I'm looking back on thirty years now. I want to ask this in two parts because because okay. uh, this wasn't clear by the question. So let's answer these two questions one about the time jump between the books and two i wonder if he's talking about the time jump when they activate the gravity weapon in the sol system and it has that little stutter oh, time okay. stutter we can talk about both of those yeah oh, so let's okay. talk about both of those um can we talk about the 30 years first yeah so i'm looking back on 30 years you've got 30 years to look back on and still be able to make sense out of all of it right <laughs> yes i have 30 years um <laughs> i mean i'm thinking about ish so my wife Plus. and i just celebrated our 30 first anniversary um our 32nd anniversary of having met um just happened in fact we're coming up real close on our 32nd anniversary of me proposing so yeah wow. i gotta remember that that's probably gonna be not a big deal for you me. gotta do something um i'll probably do something maybe i'll ask her to marry me again and see if she still says yes um of course at the time she said maybe she said let me think about it um <laughs> that could be that could be difficult it was it was difficult todd has a lot of memories in the past 30 years <sighs> so 30 years I'm some thinking, of them are a little touchy if you live a long time you make a lot of memories <laughs> 30 years um there is a there is a lot that sloughs away in 30 years to get you to a point where why do i only feel like this in. is 20 years it's three Am decades. I the, is it 30? They said three decades. I was feeling like it was 20. It doesn't matter. 20 years, 30 years. Uh, After you get to a certain we, point, it doesn't really matter. Do we feel like there's a lot of stuff we missed 
No. Or is there a lot of stuff that just didn't happen in that that was worth mentioning? They talked about the starving years. They talk about the rebuilding years. They talk about building the void cities. But they, they, it, the way that I, the way that I interpreted it was, this is just a lot of the same old, same old. Yeah. We're dealing with pirates. We're dealing with trying to save the save everything. We already had those pieces put in place. The yeast combination was was let loose. Um, we defeated the free navy. Uh, we put things in place. We started figuring out how we were going to make, I, it feels like it was one of those deals where it says, you know what? We could bore you with 30 more years of, of F es escapades of the Rosanante, but they're pretty much the you same. You mean as I could have had ones. three more books or four. Oh, 30 see, aren't you years. Aren't you disappointed at that? I am. We could have had so many. So they're just saying, you know what? But the really interesting stuff was happening in Laconia and yeah. we're getting glimpses of that now. The new ship. Wow. That I'd like to see. That I would love to have seen. Anyway. I think the only thing that I missed um, in that in that time span of the books, because I don't feel like there was a lot of growth, I guess, within the crew. Within, I mean, like there was a lot of stuff happening, but it feels very much the same, the same old, same old kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I mentioned it before. I think the only thing that I would have liked to see more of is an understanding of what Clarissa. Yes. The yeah. changes Clarissa made to to life on the ship. I mean, you kind of see a little bit when Bobby first joins how Bobby's dynamic changes the crew. Yeah. I would have liked a little bit more of understanding of what how Clarissa's presence changed yeah. the family. Because really, if you look at the crew itself and their dynamic and what's going on, their relationships, like nothing's changed. You nope. would have never guessed if someone hadn't said, oh, by the way, we've jumped decades. Right. Like, OK, yeah. so then there's there are just holes for me as to why people act the way they do, why they respond to those kind of things like it feels like Clarissa's death was really only affecting Amos. Well, you just spent 30 years with this woman on your ship as your family. Like, I feel like there should be, there should have been more, like, I don't know, maybe Naomi's already too distraught and caught up in losing Jim, that she doesn't have the mental capacity. I just don't know. And I feel like that's the only hole I really have. Yeah. Other than that, I'm like, do I need more of the same books <laughs> not really <laughs> yeah there yeah. are like eight novellas i know i look there you I go saw find that. Them, and they are the all holes. in one book that came out after oh really yes oh. i can't even tell you what it's called but it is it's like the 10th book i can't wait has a collection of the novellas as well as a final novella that's after leviathan look falls. at you looking at all of these things wow. for us that is so awesome. You must have enjoyed this more than you said you did. I just she was couldn't. looking up to try and find out how much more she had to wade through. <laughs> right. I just couldn't remember names. I was looking up names on the internet is what I was doing. So I was in the synopsis of the books and came across the book list. I'm like, <gasps> and then I broke down into tears because I realized I have two more. I was like, it was a panic moment when I saw that there were 10 books. I was like, no, they only told me nine. So I had to find out what the 10th book was. And that's why I. So Kim, what do you think about the thirty-year time jump? I, uh, the the time jump itself doesn't really bother me because I mean, honestly, it's we're going from story to story, and uh, that happens all the time. I and mean, it's you, you go from one story to the next story to the next story, and so it's just going from story to story. And until they say you know time passes, it really doesn't matter necessarily. You know, in terms 
of one story or another. And like Stephanie was saying, there were times where I have to be reminded by them saying it's been 30 years that it's been 30 years. Um, so that was, it, it took a moment to get my mind around that. But once I got around that, I thought it, if nothing happened in between that, that was of note, that's fine. Um, well, we already talked about some of the time traveling, like not time traveling, the time it takes to travel. Yeah. Like when they were going to Illis or whatever it was, and it was like. It was like 18, 18 months. Yeah. yeah. And there was like, we just were told it was 18 months. And we're like, great. Cool. Okay. Like that's kind of how I felt about it. Yeah. Almost feels the same way. The one that I thought was more interesting was the the time fracturing power of the. Uh, Non-propagating waves of time distortion. Look at you. Wow, that's a PhD student right there, candidate right there. Oh, I'm so excited about this piece. It's so cool. It's not. <laughs> I wish that my face could um, translate over the sound waves. Oh. That you could hear the expression on my face. Right you make now. it worth watching the YouTube so. video feed. Oh. If you'd like to see the contrast between the yeah, two of the us. two of us sitting, me and Todd sitting next to each other, and his excitement and my ex, my excitement, just sitting next to each other. Go go watch us on YouTube. Yeah, come it's, watch us on YouTube. It's a special moment. I'm so excited about this. Oh my gosh, you are. He's, I he's, am. He's way excited. I am, and the reason that I am so uh, sorry. Go ahead. You talk I yours was, first. Oh, I was gonna say, and if you put me right in the middle, it would be like. Huh. <laughs> I was, that was interesting. I, I am what that's so about. excited about this. I mean, it Todd is... just threw out a whole bunch of words that I didn't understand. So. <laughs> it's I, a ball of light. The thing I'm excited about is that it is, this is, this is one of the first uh, non-Newtonian physics pieces that we are getting in this universe. Um, in, a lot of, in, in a lot of science fiction, a lot of science fiction. We have all kinds of shortcuts that people take. And yes, I understand the Epstein Drive is a is a shortcut that they're taking because it would take so much longer to get to places if it wasn't for the Epstein Drive. I mean, eighteen months—that's a luxury. That's a that's a speeding car, baby, right? <laughs> um, and they spent some time talking about it. And but I will say really quick tangent: the Epstein Drive feels different than like warp speed and hyperspace, yes. though, because it yes. feels more grounded in like theoretical science rather than hyperspace and, and warp speed going to star Wars and star Trek feel like magic almost. They do. They do. Um, and I've been going back and looking at some different pieces. And, uh, I, I think I mentioned that I read a book or listened to the book, um, the science of science fiction, and it's a free download on audible. And I loved it. It was great. Um, it was just, it, it, it fed my soul, um, with all of the geekiness that I have. Right. But this piece, this is the first piece that says there is a species out there that has figured out something about how to make physics do their bidding instead of being trapped by the Newtonian physics that all the rest of us have to live with. I am so excited about this because this is the piece. This is the piece that not only is the pivotal piece for killing the protomolecule builders, but it's also the piece that says, and we have no, I, uh, James Holden says it at the end. We're talking about something that is orders of magnitude more advanced than that killed the thing that was orders of magnitude more advanced than us. Right. So it's like, you know, caveman shows up and says, Whoa, 
I have invented fire, and some guy comes along with an M16 and says, yeah, fire, that's cute. Ba 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 um, I just, I, I'm so excited about this. It was a Todd good way to encapsulate it. is excited. Mm. Just a little. If you can't tell, Todd's excited. Have questions, predictions? Um, so I gave, my, I gave my big prediction that I think uh, Mrs. Singh is going to become involved in the resistance against the She Lithuania. has a name, and I feel bad that I don't know it. It even starts with a, a J, but I don't remember what it is. I can't remember. Mrs. Mrs. Singh. And Elsa? Elsa is the monster. Yeah, it's monster. Yeah. Naomi. Is it Naomi? No, no, she's. They wouldn't have two. She's Naomi Nagata. Sorry, that's the other. That's it's the like, other. Wow. No, there's a. I can't. It uh, starts with a J. Okay. There you go. Any predictions? I gave the one that I could actually think of. You predict that you're going to get through the book without caring about it. I care. <laughs> not caring and not liking are two different things. Okay. And okay. I am going to reiterate again. That just because I do not like these books does not make them bad books. Which Thank I love. You. I love that distinction. I, I really do too. I, do. I, I really do too. continue to reiterate that just because I do not like them does not make them bad. They're not your cup of tea, but it doesn't am, mean that it's bad tea. I am not tea. a big fan of science fiction. Okay. Especially 12 books of science fiction. It's only nine. It's only Nine. Nine. Hard science fiction. Uh, you over-exaggerate by like a third. I tend to over-exaggerate. 112 is usually the number I throw out when I'm exaggerating. So oh. I didn't say 112. Yeah, that's good. I normally use 8 million. It feels like 112 books. 8 million <laughs> more words to read. You only have like 100 chapters left. 104. That's pressing. 104? 104, unless we have an epilogue and a prologue for each one. Yeah. And then we're going to have like a hundred and... That's true. Everything is like 52 chapters in these yeah. books. 52 chapters plus plus four. So really it's 106 chapters. 108. <laughs> Do you 108. know what? I will probably read two more books from the Wheel of Time series before I jump into the next book of this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ken, do you have any predictions? Well, I, I gave my two simple ones. Uh, the Scientist shows up. I mean, that's fairly obvious. Uh, there, I, there are going to be more points of view in the next book that poor Stephanie is just not going to care about. Yeah, probably so. I mean, because, I mean, where are we going? I mean, we've got, everybody is scattered now. We've got to have more more points of view that are going to take forever to get used to. So I'm looking forward to that. And I know Stephanie, if I'm looking forward to that, I, I know Stephanie's looking forward to it. having 20 points of view in books. Yeah. So oh, I love it. Do you, I'm a little worried about that. Are we all excited about the prediction that Amos made, or that, excuse me, that Alex made himself? that the people on Freehold are going to sell them out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are they going to sell us out? Yeah, eventually. But not cheap. As long as we keep recharging their batteries, they're going to As long like as they us. like us. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I uh, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like Freehold isn't going to be as important as it's set up. I feel like It feels like it's a good stopping point, yeah. but it's not going to be something that's critical in the next two books. I'm also interested to find out, uh, this isn't a prediction, this is just an interested to find out. I'm interested to find out how these protomolecule enhanced ships, what they do with those. I want to find out why that protomolecule, how that protomolecule enhanced ship survived a nuclear detonation. I think they're going to give us yeah. an indication about that too. 
Um, I think they're going to figure out a way to get rid of the ship eating monster, meaning not obviously, you know, by the end, it's like, we got to figure out a way to destroy this enemy that's destroyed our enemy and all that. But I think they're going to find a way to get rid of the, the ship eating monster, meaning the limits on how many, how many ships can, can cross through, uh, uh, the ring gate yeah. network before you're talking it, about the ships that are disappearing. Yeah. yeah. I think they're going to figure out a way to get, to eliminate that threshold so that they can just flood all of the, what the ring system with back? Oh, what that, if they are all in holding space? This is, this is another one of my predictions. I predict they're not dead. Well, I mean, some of them probably has been like 30 years or whatever. They're probably dead, but I, I don't predict they are disintegrated. They go to like a space, like a, a quantum realm a pattern or buffer. Yeah. That's my prediction is they don't, di they don't die. <laughs> they just, they go somewhere else. And it's just a matter of bringing them back. So, yeah. Anyway, they're going to figure out a way to, to get rid of that limit so that they can just flood the system with Laconian ships. And there's going to be Laconian ships all over the place. Um, and my last one, I think Miller shows up again. Yeah. In book nine. I'd buy that. As the avatar, the protomolecule. I think Duarte becomes like he tries to like become one with the the eaters of the protomolecule. So, and that ends mm. up like, you know, like I'm going to become a God by becoming part of, uh, by absorbing, I've absorbed part of protomolecule. So now I'm going to absorb, you know, protomolecule on steroids. Yeah. And that's going to be his downfall. He's going to like, I don't know, disintegrate or something. Um, I think Jim Broker's um, peace, but not resolution with the hue with humanity and the protomolecule eaters. Mm. That, uh, these are just things I'm thinking about. I don't know. So, I, and all of them will probably not come to pass. But, but you know, these are things that that I was thinking about. So. I would love to see a fight between Miller and Duarte. Enhanced Duarte, and protomolecule constructed Miller, have a fight. Yeah, that would be fun. Okay. Oh, and I think somebody <laughs> else dies. Another one of the five dies. At least one. Okay. Which I, one? I could see Amos dying in a blaze of glory, similar to Clarissa. Um, I could see what? Sorry, I know. <laughs> Did you read them all? No, I have not. No, remember she was I was looking, on the internet she was looking earlier for today. Things on the internet. Oh, she was looking for names and who was in different I, books. So she, I knows. know of at least one. So there of, is at least one. Of the crew Prediction that, correct. That yes. And see, I bet it's going to be Alex. I could see that. Too. I bet it's going to be. But I, I could see justifications. I could see ways each of them goes. So She said at least one. So she says at least I, one. I but, know of at least one. Okay. There could be more that I don't know of. I think there's but. at least one. I don't. I think there are at least two. That would be my guess if I'm a guessing man. I'll tell I you am. what I think. I think they kill off everybody except Avasarala by the last book. The entire population of the solar system. No, not that bad. Except Avasarla <laughs> is left to clone herself and to repopulate okay. the and world. In, can and you in, imagine an entire human race of Avasarla? That's <laughs> just that's just so and messed up. The epilogue of Leviathan Falls, all we're left with is the protomolecule eaters. And Christian Avasarla saying, I told you this is the way it was going to happen. Because they don't want you to. <laughs> I love it. You guys are awesome. We'll get another book. See you next time.